Hello from sunny Austin, Texas, and welcome to the Healthcare Soothsayer podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, and yes, I'm a nurse. I have worked for more than 30 years as a nurse, chief nurse executive, innovation strategist, and speaker. I have taken the message of Nursing Innovation International and look forward to continuing this message to transform health. This podcast will bring you thought leaders and ideas that you may not have otherwise heard from. Enjoy the show. Our guest today is Dr. Sean Ross, Chief Nursing Officer and Senior Vice President Operations at Ingenesis. Sean, welcome to Healthcare Soothsayers. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be talking with you. You're a nurse leader and you're in the workforce and staffing space, which has changed a whole lot in the last year. But first, I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, my role at Ingenesis as the CNO and SVP of MSP Operations is, first, Ingenesis is a company that staffs. Um, we are Total Talent Solutions, a uh, healthcare Total Talent Solutions company. And so our focus is making sure that anything under the sun that is within the healthcare space um, is staffed appropriately and quickly for, for various organizations. Um, my role is to make sure that clinically, all of the folks who um, work with us, work for us, uh, meet the proper guidelines. So um, in a nutshell, we support states, we support the government, um, and we support healthcare organizations and making sure that they safely staff to meet patient care. Well, that's an incredibly important space for us because it's changed so much in, yeah. in the last year. Certainly, we have a pre-COVID world and a post-COVID world. Can you talk a little bit about the changes that you've seen on the nursing workforce? I think just the sheer demand that we have seen is pretty unprecedented. We have gotten call after call trying to staff COVID units, trying to make sure that the, the units that we currently staff our staff, and we're getting calls from all over the place. It is not just health, what you would consider brick and mortar hospitals or clinics. Um, we're getting that calls from pharmacies. We're getting calls from the federal government to set up mobile hospitals. So due to COVID, due to this pandemic, the, the need for healthcare workers has just exploded. Well, and in, in you highlight a point, and I know some of our guests have, have talked about this on different occasions, but when the demand exceeds the supply, what kind of shifts do you see occurring or how are we going to work through this to, to resolve this challenge? You know, I think you have to be creative and that's part of, um, that's part of the excitement and also part of the sort of the the burn that you feel when doing this and getting creative is partnering with nursing schools partnering with medical schools and figuring out a way you can utilize senior or or students in their last year to help support the workforce so that you can focus those other healthcare workers um, to different patient care Another part of it is sort of reimagining how patient care is given. And in reimagining that, then you can sort of shuffle who does what to meet the need because 
in a nutshell, everybody's need has to be met and it has to be met uh, safely. So I think creativity um, has helped us quite a bit in managing the demand for, for nurses, for techs, for pharmacists, for doctors, all of it. And I would say in, in nursing, we, we sometimes are not known for our open-mindedness to think differently about how we staff. Are, are you seeing organizations being more willing or more flexible to think about how certain disciplines or professionals are being used and how to staff differently? I think so. I think they absolutely are because they have no choice. Um, When you have nurses who are working more than three shifts a week at at 12 hours, you're forced to become um, creative and you're forced to think about how to give patient care, new care models, um, et cetera. And so we've seen we've seen quite a few different care models um, that are being used and that, and have been successful. So I think this pandemic, you know, although it gives us personally and professionally heartburn, it has spurned, spurred rather lots of creativity and there has been lots of success behind it. Do any of those models come to mind that you want to highlight any good examples out there? Well, outside of using nursing students, using them in in the care environment prior to graduation, we have also seen sort of a LPN, more and more LPNs being reintroduced into the into the bedside, into acute care, I should say. I think there was a push prior to the pandemic to have all just RNs in the in the care environment, but LPNs are capable of giving great care too. And so we're seeing lots of uh, LPNs being reintroduced. It's interesting that you bring that up because I am hearing exactly that across the country is that many states have made shifts to um, literally, this might be strongly worded, but to push LPNs um, to a large degree out of acute care hospitals Mm-hmm. And now I'm hearing that due to demand and due to um, the need, they're bringing them back in. Yeah. And of course, they're amazing. They have incredibly important skills for us, right? Absolutely. It's an amazing team member that we really do need to think about how we can use in a different way. But the demand is certainly there. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, LPNs are trained. They might, they don't, of course, don't receive as much training as an RN, but they are a great partner. Um, and more and more, as I said, more and more organizations are um, utilizing them in their bedside um, care with great results. So it's one of those things that, you know, you, I don't know if it's going to stay. I don't know if it's going to be permanent, but at least at least for the next six months, we're going to continue to see that trend. That's interesting. Do you happen to know if as a result of these changes, we're seeing a bit of a resurgence in LPN or LVN programs again? Well, you know, I, I don't think so. Um, I do know that BSN programs, particularly because, you know, you have the BSN to DMP programs, uh, you know, popping, I don't want to say popping up because this, that's something that has been in place or been in place since 2013, but I don't see, I I haven't heard that there are more individuals going to LPN school, but I do know that there is a months-long, year-long waiting list 
to get into BS in schools. Yeah, that definitely feels like something that we are going to have to address and completely provide nursing education in a different way. I mean, yeah. we, we have to change not only the, the subjects and the topics, but it feels as though this should be somewhat of a contiguous program instead of, you know, one semester, two semester, summer off, next semester, next semester, summer off. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I can go into a lot of things that, like, you know, if, if we could get more nurses more nurses through if if uh, faculty nursing faculty were were paid better if it if we gave them we paid them based on their what I feel based on their importance um, but I do agree in that you know we that I have a uh, one of my best friends is tenured uh, professor at Coppin State University and we have conversations all the time about how can nursing education be reimagined so that what you take one semester isn't dependent on what you take the next semester. Got to think about this a little bit differently so that people are not delayed in getting their education and, and we can speed them up and getting them out faster. And, but a lot well, of it is due to nursing faculty, lack of nursing faculty. And I think you're exactly right. And now COVID has certainly thrown a wrench in clinical placements and the time they can spend in um, different organizations. So I think we're going to see technology continue to play a more important role, such as VR, right? Why should yeah. every nursing student not get a VR headset with their courses exactly. and their sort of simulation exercises loaded in it? each semester yeah. instead of a set of books, right? Or exactly. maybe and a set of books. Exactly right. Exactly right. I think, um, you know, as you mentioned, due to COVID, people haven't been on campus. And how cool would it have been if everybody had a VR headset and they could interact remotely with the patient, with their instructor, instructor and there wouldn't be sort of a delay or, or mad push to get them in facilities um, that are sort of restricting them now due to due to COVID guidelines, and I we all completely understand that the less people you have, the less the risk. But creativity, innovation is definitely needed in nursing education so that we can sort of get rid or reduce this backlog and get more nurses out there. This has been a problem since forever in nursing, right, Bonnie? We've always talked about having more nurses in the field and it's time we use innovation to do that. Well, and I, I don't think that quality and quantity are mutually exclusive. Right. Of course. I think yeah. that we can still produce very strong nurses, both at the ADN level and at the BSN level, because mm -hmm. we need both. And I think we can produce a, a large quantity of them. I think it's incumbent upon us to think about how to do it differently. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the changes that you're probably seeing on your end. And that is things that might relate to where care is being provided. Are you seeing any shifts there? Yeah, I, you know, I am also a, a certified family nurse practitioner and um, telehealth has exploded. You know, the telehealth has always been there. It's always been an option, but 
due to COVID, it is our own, pretty much our only option if you're not in a sort of having in a, a medical, if it's not an emergent or urgent um, medical need. And so due to the 21st Century Cares Act, organizations are now allowed to bill telehealth visits just as they would bill um, an in-person visit. I'm not sure how much longer that's going to last. Um, I know it's for the duration of the pandemic, um, but telehealth is exploding. And then also um, hospitals are realizing that they can give great care at home. And so um, John, more and more organizations are utilizing the hospital at home program that John Hopkins developed in 20, 2012, I believe. Um, so we're going to see the shift to more care being given at home. And I'm not talking, you know, we've always had home home care, home health, um, which has been great, but I am talking about managing CHF patients um, at home, managing uh, COP patient, COPD patients at home. And so we're going to see a lot of that expanding. I know AMA um, is lobbying Congress, um, Congress with the bill that makes some of those reimbursements changes permanent. Um, so I think, you know, in, in the upcoming months and years, what we traditionally have known as hospital-based care versus home-based care is going to, is going to be completely revolutionized. Which is really profound if you think about it, because it seems to me that that's an area that we have underinvested in, in terms of infrastructure for how, not only how we might staff these, what we would think of as the traditional home health agencies, mm -hmm. but also things like the, um, their technology, right? Their mm -hmm. access or utilization of EHRs. Yeah or even access to um, sort of capital equipment and working with vendors to set up ICU headwalls and ICU bed frames with ventilators and complex, you know, new sophisticated um, IV pumps. Mm -hmm. It just feels like there's a lot of opportunity for us to really shore up that aspect of the care continuum to be prepared for what you're describing. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we have sort of a baseline. We have a foundation with like EICU, um, but that's still in, a, you know, you have a provider who could be a hundred miles away managing the care of a patient in a completely different location. <laughs> and that provider can listen to the patient remote, you know, listen to their heart and lungs remotely, view their, view their, um, view their case remotely. I think we, we, we are getting to the point, though, Bonnie, that we're not going to have a choice um, because when you look at companies like Amazon, Amazon has started its Amazon Cares um, division, and they have concierge medicine. Um, they, have, they, they are going with a, a platform with telehealth. It's, it's in Washington State right now where they piloted it. But by this summer, it is going to be available across the country. You have Best Buy Health. Best Buy is doing the same thing. You know, companies that traditionally had nothing to do with healthcare are now forging into the market with all kinds of innovations, all kinds of new things that is going to change. And so for those brick and mortar traditional hospital organizations, in order to stay competitive, they're going to have to think about things differently. I think Amazon Cares is a is a great a great concierge medicine program. Um, so 
things are happening, things are changing, and we're going to have to figure things out pretty quickly. Well, I love those examples that you provided because it feels like if you're a technology company or a company that's a good provider of some type of service nationally, it's easier for you to pivot into healthcare and begin to hire and acquire healthcare professionals. Mm -hmm. It's easier for those companies than it is for the companies that have all the healthcare professionals Mm -hmm. and know how to provide care to pivot into doing it through a distributed model, amplifying their technology. I think it's all because people like what's new. People like not, you know, novel things. To work in concierge medicine, to work in home health, to work in a hospital at home environment, there's some flexibility there. And that flexibility does not exist in your traditional healthcare settings. And so part of that is going to be these organizations sort of piggybacking off of what Um, these technology companies are doing and offering things differently. Now, that does put us, um, for folks like myself who work in um, Total Talent Solutions, when you have providers being healthcare providers, whether you're LPN all the way up to a, 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 a MD, when you have them being pulled to places that offer flexibility, now that, that, that does give us quite a bit of heartburn, but I, it's still a great thing. Um, because things are being reimagined and they are being reimagined um, in a way that's beneficial, not just for the patient, but also for the provider. Well, and it's probably a perfect time for that, right? Because we're also seeing employees demanding a different employment model away from that loyalty model and more into something that allows them to control when they work, where they work, and who they work for. As you mentioned earlier, you know, health uh, um, nursing in particular is 90% female. And so when you have nurses who, are, who have children who um, need to be in school remotely, it presents a challenge. And so it's these organizations that are offering different different ways to give care are going to be extremely attractive. Um, I'm not sure what um, healthcare executives, how they're going to remodel staffing and shifts and loyalty programs, but it's going to require quite a bit of thought if they want to, if they want to maintain their stores. And, And as we know, throwing money, at people does not change things. They'll, you know, nurses will take the money, pharmacists, doctors, they'll take the bonuses, um, but you will only have them for a year um, before they decide to leave again. It does not keep them. And and that seems to reconcile with, with what I hear is that money works for a while, but after they paid off yeah. the refrigerator or the new car, <laughs> they're they're done with doing the extra shifts or changing the job or doing whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I mean, you had hospitals offering down payments on houses and down payment or buying cars. Um, yeah. And after they paid them off, you know, they, they want that flexibility. Work-life balance, 
is a huge, huge thing. And, and when you have, again, companies like Amazon and Best Buy offering crazy flexibility, hospital executives are going to have to start thinking, thinking differently. Wow. Well, you have certainly given us a lot to think about today, Sean, and that's a great place for us to put a pin in it. I am so grateful for your time and for you being with us today on the Healthcare Soothsayers podcast. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. This podcast hopefully will generate a new a new generation of innovative healthcare thinkers so that we can tackle the challenges that are coming in the very near future. Absolutely. And thank you again, Sean. Thank you. And be sure to check out the show notes for this show to find Sean's contact information and to learn more about her work. And thanks again for being with us today. Thanks so much for listening to Healthcare Soothsayers. I really do appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and share it with your network. That is how we grow and learn. If you have ideas for show topics for guests, please reach out to me directly at ThoughtLeaderRN on Twitter. For information about this show or any of the others in the Touchpoint Media Network, please check them out at touchpoint.health.